This is the Northwestern Medicine Pod Talk. Here's Melanie Cole. Welcome. Our topic today is genetic testing for Huntington's disease. And here to tell us about that is my guest, Dr. Danny Bega. He's a neurologist and the clinical director of the Huntington's Disease Clinic at Northwestern Memorial Hospital. Dr. Bega, let's start with a little definition. What is Huntington's disease and how common is it? First of all, thank you for having me here. Um, Huntington's disease is a degenerative disease of the brain uh, that is inherited. And it's a, it's a relatively rare disease. Um, about 1 in 10 to 20,000 people are affected by it. Um, and what occurs is that... Uh, the brain is deteriorating over time, particularly in areas that are involved in coordinating movement, um, cognition, as well as behavior and psychiatric uh, uh, function. And so it's sort of thought of as a triad of, of cognitive, motor, and psychiatric disease that progresses gradually over, over time, um, with, the, with the unfortunate key being that there's this heredity to it, um, where it is it's passed off. Um, from one generation to the next with about a 50% chance of, of inheriting the disease. As you brought that up, it's known as the quintessential family disease. Tell us a little bit about how that's inherited. So the inheritance pattern is what we call autosomal dominant, which means that we all know we get uh, one uh, copy of every gene from our mother and one from our father. And it only takes one abnormal copy, in this case, to cause the disease. And so people who get the disease uh, inherit one abnormal mutation in this particular part of their DNA from either their mother or their father. And once they themselves have that mutation, uh, they have one normal copy and one mutated copy. They can then have a 50% chance of passing on that mutated copy to any of their offspring. So then tell us about the hallmarks of it. When does it present itself? Can it be mistaken for Parkinson's or Alzheimer's if someone does not know that they carry this gene? The way that this disease typically manifests is uh, when people start to develop um, sort of aggravated movements or uh, excessive, almost fidgeting type of movements that can occur anywhere in their body. Um, those are movements that are very different from what someone with Alzheimer's disease or Parkinson's disease would look like to, to a trained physician. Uh, not to say that there isn't misdiagnoses out there, but uh, a movement disorder specialist would, would easily be able to distinguish the type of movements that someone with Huntington's would have from uh, diseases like more common diseases like Parkinson's. Now, uh, beyond that, people with the disease present with this gradually progressive decline in their cognitive abilities and eventually develop a dementia. Uh, we often think of Alzheimer's when we think of dementia. Uh, Alzheimer's is the most common kind of dementia, but Huntington's disease itself also comes with dementia, and uh, the presentation is very different in that the age of onset, we typically think of Alzheimer's as being a disease of the elderly. With Huntington's disease, the, uh, this is not a disease of the elderly. This is a disease that affects people earlier in life. And the average age when, when people start to develop symptoms is around the mid-40s. Um, with, a, with a range, uh, we see, we see uh, younger onset Huntington's even as early as the teenage years, uh, which is more rare. 
and even and, and as old as into the 70s or 80s, but the typical person is somewhere between 30 and 50 when they start to develop symptoms, which is which is very different from something like Alzheimer's or Parkinson's typically. Um, and lastly, the psychiatric piece. The uh, in, there can be a lot of uh, problems with irritability, uh, with depression. There's unfortunately a high rate of suicide and suicide attempts with people with Huntington's, um, and so these. These behavioral um, components of the disease uh, also set it apart from a lot of other neurological diseases that we see. Before we speak about some of the goals of treatment and symptom management, Dr. Bega, who should get tested for this genetic mutation? Who should consider genetic testing? And should they speak with a genetic counselor? That's a great question. Um, and a complicated one. Uh, the, the most obvious reason to test is someone where who is having symptoms um, and has a known family history of Huntington's disease uh, in order to confirm the suspected diagnosis in, in, in that person. Um, but there are other indications where we may consider testing in that um, people who are wanting to know if they will eventually get Huntington's disease because they know of a family history. So this is considered what we call predictive testing. In asymptomatic individuals who are at risk because of a family member, um, which puts them at a 50% risk of having the gene. And they don't yet have symptoms, but they want to know if they will eventually develop symptoms. Um, And so this is an area that is uh, uh, really requires a lot of expertise and counseling, because But it turns out that only about 10% of the people who are at risk for Huntington's choose to get tested. Um, And the decision to get tested is very individual based on an individual person's beliefs uh, and desires about reasons why they may want to get tested. And we have to approach that with uh, sensitivity. And we really have to educate people about the, the pros and cons of getting tested. Things that we bring up with people is the potential uh, for how that may affect their planning for their future, how that may affect planning for having a family, having children of their own. Uh, One very good reason to get tested is people who are planning to have children. Um, And if they want to know about the risk for their own children um, and potentially prevent passing on the mutated gene to their offspring, um, that's something that we can do in this day and age. So we can do prenatal testing with uh, in vitro fertilization using pre-implantation testing. So when uh, uh, sperm and egg fertilize um, and form uh, an embryo, embryos can be tested uh, for the gene. And uh, embryos that test negative for the Huntington's gene can then be implanted. And so people who are at risk can guarantee uh, using that method that they have offspring that don't have the Huntington's gene. So this is one area where it's important to consider getting tested um, or doing the pre-implantation testing. Um, with regard to the process, we usually actually have people talk to our genetic counselor over the phone before we even meet them if they're considering being tested. We want to educate people about the importance of, of the, the implications of the test results on things like life insurance, on disability insurance, on long-term care insurance prior to testing. We want people to know about how it may affect those things before they decide to get tested, and we do that even before we meet them. We do that over the phone with our genetic counselor. Then when we meet them in person, we go over uh, the implications of testing again. Um, I meet with them myself. Our genetic counselor again meets with them, and we go over what, what is their reason for wanting to get tested at this stage in their life. 
Um, is it, again, due to planning about for family planning? Is it curiosity? Is it worry? What are the, what are the reasons? We go into the pros and cons of testing. We go into how they would respond, how they would react if a test came back positive or negative, how they would live their life differently if the test came back positive or negative. These are really important things to go over before testing, um, getting a sense of their ability to handle the test results. Um, and so I think this is, this is a process that's not, it's not so quick, but we have to go through it kind of thoughtfully um, in this way. Other than prenatal testing, what are some of the limitations or the risks of finding out that you do have this genetic mutation? What is it that they can actually do if they find out that they do have it? In terms of treating the disease earlier because they find out early, unfortunately, right now, there isn't a medication that I can give someone who tests positive early on that would slow the the onset of the disease or prevent the onset of the disease, which is a big reason that people have for a long time chosen, a majority of people have chosen not to know uh, if if there's nothing I can do about it, why should I know? We're in a bit of a different era today. Um, we're in an area where research in Huntington's disease is, is exciting as an understatement. I mean, we're really in an era where, where breakthroughs are being made and um, in an era where we're testing out treatments that we're hopeful may slow down the disease in our, in our lifetime. And, um, and so knowing today means potentially participating in clinical trials. Um, it means potentially knowing about these treatments that, that may one day slow down the disease um, earlier in the process. And so this is, a, this is a time where we really need to think hard about testing for that reason. Um, the, the prenatal testing is a very important part, as you mentioned. Planning for the future is important. Thinking about um, as a disease that can lead to disability, um, you know, planning for things like long-term care insurance and disability insurance and these sorts of things can be useful to do, uh, kind of to think thoughtfully about the future. Some people, based on their test results, choose um, not to have children. Some people, based on their test results, choose to have children, um, but to go through it in a way where they can make sure that their children don't don't get the disease. Um, but some of it is just also about planning, planning for the type of job that someone is going into um, uh, and being able to plan for, for their, their family as well. Um, so there, there are a lot of reasons that people choose to get tested, but a lot of information they need, I think, ahead of time uh, in preparation. Dr. Bega, wrap it up for us. With your best advice and information and what you want people to know that might have a familial history of Huntington's disease and genetic testing, and even the goals of treatment, should they be told that this is what they have? Well, for for people who are already suffering from this disease, uh, first of all, they should know that uh, being seen at a center that has a multidisciplinary approach to care is vital. Um, In our center, every patient sees a neurologist, a neuropsychiatrist, a genetic counselor, a social worker. Um, It really takes this group of specialists with expertise um, in different aspects of the disease to take good care of of someone with Huntington's, and it's really important to have that expertise. For people who are at risk, who um, have loved ones with Huntington's, um, it's it's important to realize that there really is hope for uh, the coming years uh, in Huntington's. I I believe this is going to be a very different disease to manage and treat uh, even a few years from now than it is today. Um, the research is coming. It can never come fast enough for people who are, who are uh, at risk for the disease or who are suffering from the disease, but it is happening. 
we are, uh, I do believe we're going to have drugs that slow down this disease um, in the coming years. Um, and participating in research is vital. Being connected to centers that provide education on Huntington's and opportunity to participate in research is vital. In terms of deciding to get tested, um, there's not a right or wrong answer for people who are at risk, but go to a place where you can get the genetic counseling, the education, to make an educated decision about whether getting tested is right for you. Thank you so much, Dr. Bega, for being on with us today, for sharing your expertise and explaining so very clearly the implications of genetic testing for Huntington's disease. It's really important information for people with a familial history to learn about and to hear from you. Thank you again for joining us. You're listening to Northwestern Medicine Pod Talk. For more information on the latest advances in medicine, please visit nm.org. That's nm.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.